Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. All right, so Jim Heskett here talking with Nick Thacker. Uh, hello, Nick. Hey. Uh, first of all, I wondered if you could um, just talk for a moment about what, you know, what an honor and a privilege it's been to work with me. Uh, I can. I absolutely can. Um, I won't, though. It probably would take too long. Okay. That's fair. Um, yeah, I completely understand. In the interest of yeah, time, yeah. we should, um, <clears throat> maybe we should have discussed it beforehand, but that's okay. Um, so, uh, why don't you tell us about you, Nick Thacker, best-selling author and font snob? Yeah, my favorite subject. Um, but me, not the fonts. Uh, fonts are okay, but I, uh, I, I'm a thriller writer. Um, I write action adventure, like archaeological type thrillers, mystery, and um, I've been doing it for a uh, full time for about a year and a half. Um, USA Today best-selling author just means I'm one twentieth of a best-selling author. I had a, a book and a box set that uh, that got on the list, so we got my letters. Um, and, uh, I'm, yeah, right. I'm like kind of in a point in my career where I'm trying to take the next kind of level up. So I'm doing a lot of, um, admin type stuff. I'm, you know, getting some things outsourced to a, a VA, a personal assistant and, uh, working with co-writers and managing payroll, things like that. So I'm not writing as much as I want these days, but that's all hopefully going to change once we get this infrastructure set up, but that's kind of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about Harvey Bennett, the protagonist in the Enigma strain and the Aryan agenda and other books. Yeah. Harvey, um, we call him Ben, Ben Bennett is, uh, he was a park ranger at Yellowstone in the Enigma strain and very reclusive. Um, didn't really like people sort of ran away from things in his life, which, uh, how is it, how he ended up at Yellowstone and he gets sucked into a whirlwind of fun and, um, activity when, uh, Julie is now you know, spoiler alert, girlfriend slash almost wife, um, meets up with him to help solve the, the case of who's blowing up the volcano at Yellowstone. It was never supposed to be a series. Um, I, I wrote it as a standalone. The challenge was I wanted, you know, kind of a two main protagonists, a male and a female working together. Um, but the readership liked it and, you know, we're asking for, for more. And so I wrote a second, a third. Now we've got six books out in that series. And um, as you know, as you know, Jim, it's become kind of this universe thing where we've got other mini series kind of spun off from that. We've got Joe Bennett, we've got uh, Gareth Red, which is kind of his sidekick. He's got his own series now. So it's really just morphed into this big uh, multi-author universe, which is really cool. It's really neat to be able to work with authors who are way better than I am at writing using their skill set to, to build out my own characters and world and stuff. It's really cool. Pretty neat. Where did the idea come from to put him in a national park? Do you have uh, ranger experience or experience with Yellowstone specifically? I have literally, I've never been to Yellowstone. I've actually never been to a national park at all. Uh, that's not true. But I've never been to Yellowstone. Um, I do love the outdoors. I do love um, that, you know, kind of what I imagine that environment looks like. I'm, I live in Colorado Springs half the year. And so um, I just love that kind of, um, I wanted to put him in a setting like that where, you know, if you're a guy who's um, like Harvey Bennett, um, where do you go? where do you work to go get away from people in life? And to me, the answer was Yellowstone. I don't think that's a perfect answer, but he didn't know that. So he ran away to go become a park ranger. I do not have park ranger experience. I tried to do a little bit of research on, you know, what, what is a park ranger? How do you become one? I don't think I got it right. I've, I've gotten called out by a reader before for, 
you know, somebody would, that would never, he would never be a park ranger for that age or you know, Okay, whatever. You worked in a national park, call it what you want. Kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, okay. No, that came out of, uh, came out of just, I think, in the opening scene after the prologue is um, Harvey you know, um, working with um, relocating a nuisance grizzly at Yellowstone. And I, for some reason, had that scene in my mind. And so I wrote it. I think that's how it just morphed into, well, he's a park ranger. What's he running away from? Why? I think I wrote the scene first before it was all planned. I've definitely done that before where a, a, a completed, what will become a completed book basically came from an image or a scene that just mm-hmm. appeared in my mind and then everything spread out from there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like you said about uh, people, uh, people liked Harvey and they wanted more. What do you think when you didn't intend that, what do you think it is about Harvey that's compelling? What do people, why did people want to see more uh, uh, with him? I love that question. I, I, I've tried to answer it a lot. Um, it's my guess, but I think um, people like him because he is the everyman character. This, I, what I basically did when I was designing this book, not knowing it was going to be a series though, I thought to myself, what does Jack Reacher look like before he's Jack Reacher? How do you build a superhero, right? We all have these you know, character origin stories, um, but typically we throw the reader into the middle of their life as the superhero, and then we give them challenges and all that. We show them what the kryptonite is, but they're, they're already a superhero. So I wanted a Jack Reacher type. I wanted a guy who's strong and, and capable and resilient before he's those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he knows he's those things so it's sort of i'm like writing this origin story with the enigma strain um and it turns out that what he ends up as is you know the hero of you know the, the civilian special operations which doesn't even show up in, really until book three um so that's that's what i think I, I people like about him he he seems relatable for that reason because he's not um you know jack reacher is literally lee child has described him as you know what would it be like to be the kind of guy who's never afraid to walk around at night because he can beat up anyone or do anything um, there's definitely an appeal to that. I love those books, but I wanted the exact opposite. And kind of, what does it look like for a guy just to be a normal guy thrust into worldwide chaos and have to come out the other side of Victor? Yeah, there's something really interesting about that um, that template of a person where they come from just being an everyman or an everywoman, and then when faced with an extraordinary circumstance, they find something in themselves to 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 take that action and become to become the hero of the story. That's a really interesting transition to watch in a story where a person becomes a hero over the course of the story. Right. right. I mean, you sort of did that in nail gun, you know, is it kind of the same, same sort of thing, same sort of approach. I like that. Um, so now as we're getting a little closer to the actual topic of what we're here to talk about, um, you mentioned yeah. before that, uh, that expand, right. Me, um, <laughs> <laughs> how's this going by the way, is the interview going well? You feel like it's, it's going, going well. well. I, yeah. Hey, enough about enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? Um, so let's, let's talk about that when you talked about having co-authors and the admin stuff that you're doing. Um, so we've got this little project or you've got this project and I've, I've become a part of it over the last few months and that's the Harvey Bennett expanded universe. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and how it's working? Well, I'm sitting in a conference room, um, at the 20 books to Vegas conference, which is a a group uh, that started with Michael Anderle's vision for writing a lot of books and releasing them and making a crap ton of money. Um, I haven't done any of, any of those things, but the goal and part of the rate, the way he achieved his goal was by working with other writers who are able to produce all these books and, you know, he stamps his name on it and they call it a day. Um, that's all well and good. I, um, I felt like what I wanted was more of a, a just, I wanted to make friends with other writers and, and work together with them. And so rather than it being, you know, a James Patterson model where these writers are essentially working 
as ghostwriters, you know, they get their name on the cover, but they're really just writing the book and James gets to put his name on it. I wanted to find writers who were every bit as good, if not better than me at writing, um, who could take a character of mine and just make it their own. And, and so, you know, like you filled in Harvey's backstory in some ways, and Mike's done the same thing with another prequel. And um, Joe Bennett came out of Dave's head. Like, it's just, it's not, I don't even know concept that she even existed um, until he, he came up with it. And so that's been really cool to see some of the things that I left open because I'm lazy and didn't want to write the backstory. Um, you know, I also didn't want to write myself into a hole, you know, has been kind of the fodder for these other stories that, you know, like Mike said, Hey, you would talk about this grizzly scene. Can I, can I write that? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's been really neat and it's been fun to, to make these, these connections with other authors like you, because again, I keep going back to it. Like I, I don't think people read my books because of how good of a writer I am, meaning like the pros, I'm never going to win a Pulitzer for my, my writing style. Um, they, they read my books because they're fun stories. I hope mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to write. And so I wanted to find other writers who didn't have to try to, you know, be my style. You know, that's not why people read the book. They have their own style. You know, you, you are still Jim, but you're writing my, a book in my universe. So the, so the goal is that, you know, you still have your own readership over there, you know, but you're just going to gain some more because mine are going to be like, Hey, I really like the way Jim writes, you know, it's, even though it's Harvey Bennett, like I, I can, I can hear some Jim in there and I want to go read his stuff because it's that it's, it's good. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the difference in model. I wanted to be more of, um, a, I mean, more of a collaboration than, you know, well, I'm, I'm the main famous guy and everybody else can do whatever they want, but it has to sound like me. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not all what I wanted. So speaking of filling out uh, Harvey Bennett's backstory, so the <clears throat> the book that you and I have co-authored is um, titled The Severed Pines, and it takes place about uh, six or seven years before the Enigma strain. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because you've read it more recently than I have. <laughs> yeah, it's a good old-fashioned murder mystery, um, I, which I love, because that's not a, sub, a genre that I've not really gone into yet. I don't um, I don't know that the tropes are well enough to really pull it off, but you can, and you did. Um, so it's a good old fashioned murder mystery. You know, we were opening scene, essentially, you know, Van Harvey is um, faced with a dead body. I mean, he's a young 20 something guy um, and not, a, like I said, not a superhero. So he's like, what, what do I do? This is weird. Then the body disappears and, you know, the cops are you know, being a little sketch about it. The guys at the park are, you know, people are lying and he just gets wound up in this kind of this, this mystery that, has a, a few ties back into the main Harvey Bennett universe with some of the in, implications that some of the bad guys are involved with, you know, the later Draconis industry stuff. And, um, I'm still, you know, like I said, I, I, owe, I owe you, like I have to fill it out a little bit more in some spots that I want to do that um, and imply some, some of the bad guy stuff. But um, the book is essentially, it's done. It's, it's ready as is, um, you know, you've written this, this murder mystery and woven this tapestry with all these characters that, I never would have been able to pull off. So it's going to be a good book. I'm really excited about uh, tapestry. Very well. I like that. Yeah. I'm a writer. <laughs> so I know words like tapestry. Um, yeah. The severed pines was, was very fun for me to write because although I certainly don't know uh, Ben as well as you do, um, I, I set the book in Rocky mountain national park, which is a place I'm very familiar with. Right. Uh, right. And so that was, that was really the main draw for me was to, to show a, um, uh, a younger Ben, someone who is not quite as confident as he is in the later books and someone who's more, yeah. although I, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot about his, his backstory. There's, there's still a lot about his backstory that's not been revealed. Um, you right. get to see a, right. a portrait of a younger Ben who's kind of trying to figure himself out, you know, 
I don't know what 20 something has themselves figured out. So that was right. That's what intrigued me was, was writing at that time. And um, speaking of that, because, because it does take place several years before and you've got all these, you know, you're working with a half dozen authors now who are writing books uh, all along the timeline of Ben's life. How do you keep it all together? How do you know what comes before when and and when things are supposed to fit on the, the timeline of Ben's life? I have a literal timeline. Um, I use a, a program called Eon Timeline, and it literally is a visual chronological timeline that I can zoom in, zoom out, whatever. And so as books are being written, I'll I'll set that in the timeline, you know, and basically, if we don't know what the date is, I'll make something up. I'll pick a day. This happened between these this date and this date. Um, and then we can actually see where everything is pieced together. And um, so it's essentially just keeping, that's part of the management burden is a lot of these questions like, well, how old has Ben? Um, exactly. You know, when does, when did his parents die? Exactly. Are, are things I never answered in the Enigma strain, but I have to have answered for other writers because even though it doesn't really matter when his birthday is, we have to know how old he was when, you know, he's hanging out with Joe Bennett because she's over here and, you know, so it's one of those things where it is a big burden to keep track of. But as I add more and more to the wiki, to the calendar, um, or to the timeline, um, it becomes a lot easier because it's just, I can okay, cool. Thankfully, these books all take place. I mean, they're more, I mean, yours are prequels, but they're, they're modern. Like they're happening, you know, it's not futuristic. There's no weird time stuff. So it's happening in a linear set fixed amount of time. And so within, you know, reason, it's, it's pretty easy to just to put it and slot it in and say, this is when it happened. And then everything else can just kind of be built around it. So, and then with the other characters, it's easy because they're off doing their own thing. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, and it's a prequel for them, origin story for them. So it really doesn't matter. They're never going to meet until the Enigma Strain or later anyway. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's basically, it's hard at first and then it gets easier as I, the more information and data gets um, put in. So in this interview, I really want to, uh, I really want the people watching and listening to get a good sense of Ben. So um, here's the moment of truth, uh, Nick, um, Ben versus Jack Reacher. And fight yeah, I think, win. honestly, I think Jack Reacher wins hands down um, because Ben has never been trained to fight. He's never, he's not a, you know, so again, Jack Reacher can do anything, right? He's a sniper with a pistol, right? Um, he's a, so he's a, you know, he's a crack shot. He's got um, insane, you know, fighting skills, physical ability, prowess. The thing about Ben that gives him a fighting chance is he's just a bear of a man and he, he, he just doesn't give up. He's super, resi- he can take a lot of, a lot of punches and I've tested that. Uh, in a lot of the books. So what if, okay, so I really want to dig into this. Um, So so Ben and Jack are fighting and Jack is, is winning hands down. What if Jack Bauer shows up and he loud whispers some support to Ben? Then do you think he might tip the scales a little bit? I think so because the whole point of the, the Harvey Bennett universe is it's not about Harvey. It's this cast of characters. And so, he, you know, without like Reggie's support, without Julie's support, without Mr. And Mrs. E or whatever, um, I don't think he stands a chance, but give him a Jack Bauer to whisper mm-hmm. in his ear, um, cool cryptic things that only he understands and not the movie, the, the viewing audience. Um, then I think he's got a fighting chance. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, <laughs> is there anything else uh, you want people to know? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I, I don't have anything else I want to talk about. I want to talk about you all day long. Well, um, yeah. So tune in, uh, tune in next time for our extended uh, 90 minute interview talking all about me. 
And um, well, uh, I want to hear the story of your hair, actually. So, you know, you cut your hair. You were this haggard, criminal looking man. I'm just kidding. Um, you went from like Metallica pre 1980s to Metallica late 90s, early 2000s. What happened? Yeah, yeah. I know you guys are giving me a hard time in the Slack channel about uh, James Hetfield. I, um, I cut all my hair off. My hair was down to my shoulders and I just recently cut it off because it was time. And um, I, I put a, a photo of me with short hair in my author faith. Facebook page and everybody said I looked like Negan, which I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure how to take that. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, have, yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about that comparison. <laughs> that was a little terrifying. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can see that though, but the wife's okay with it. She's, she's good. Oh yeah. 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 She's good. Uh, it was time anyway. It was, it was, <laughs> I hadn't had a haircut in about three years, so it was time for it to go. There you go. Anyway, uh, Nick, thanks so much for, for hanging out with me today and answering a few questions about uh, Harvey Bennett in the Harvey Bennett expanded universe and about our book, the severed pines. Yeah. Get it uh, late this month or whenever this goes live. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.